As you're growing as an entrepreneur and you're hiring people, what do you look for in talent? Emotional intelligence. You gotta be able to check your ego at the door. You gotta be able to check your emotions and understand your emotions. And you gotta be able to work collaboratively in a constructive way. And if you can't do those things, you should find another career. Hello and welcome back to the Better Human Podcast. Once again, we have an awesome show today. This is a podcast about making humans better humans and demystifying the world of relationships, communication, entrepreneurship for your better life. Today, we're joined by Alex Gertzberg, founder of Gertzberg Law Firm and Cover My Six. Cover My Six is a unique and confidential legal audit that identifies and addresses the six areas most likely to cause you some legal trouble. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later. Besides being a kick-ass lawyer, you've been in the private practice for the last 20 years and represented private and publicly traded companies, nonprofit organizations of all sizes. You are my lawyer. That's how we actually originally met. You helped me get hooked up in the U.S. So, Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. Uh, uh, I love that you asked me to be on this. I'm humbled. I can't think of anything useful that I could share with anybody that you would want to hear because you're more of a, uh, of a, a sort of, I really look up to you, man. I, I love what you've done with your business and with your podcast and so I follow you way more than I could possibly expect any of your people to follow me. Well, you know, we were recently chatting and you're like, man, how about you come on my podcast? And I was like, you have a podcast? And you're like, yeah, it's called The Best Podcast. And I was like, no way. And you're like, I'm like, how do you get that name? And you're like, well, I'm a lawyer. This is what we do. <laughs> so exactly. Alex. Yeah. Alex, again, you know, you're a wicked entrepreneur, you're a leader, you've built a great firm, uh, by definition, um, you're one of the uh, nicest people and uh, upfront people I know. So I wanted to start with a little bit about you. And I mean, today, you know, besides talking about the things you do, I want to talk a little bit about how you got here. So, you know, obviously, today, you're successful, you're running a uh, uh, a large firm, you're enjoying the work you're doing, you're, you're, you're expanding beyond legal and you're getting into different types of entrepreneurship. But, you know, what do you think has been some of your biggest failures throughout the last little while? It's such a good question. Um, I, I, I don't think that you can grow or be a good entrepreneur without failing a lot. And uh, by that measure, I should be the greatest entrepreneur on the planet, mm -hmm. Greg. Um, so uh, choosing my biggest failures is the hard part. Um, there's so many to choose from, but uh, the two that come to mind are one, um, I, I, cases that I've taken to trial that I shouldn't have. Ego got in the way. Um, there's one in particular where I should have talked the client into settling. I didn't. I, I was convinced that we were right, that, that I could win the case for him. We didn't. Uh, the client was all for it. The client said, yeah, let's do it. Um, it's, it's a, it's a giant case. Um, it, it, you know, it, Alex, I believe in you, Alex, I think we should win this. And we didn't. And I've, I've actually, there's only one case that I lost in my entire career, 20 years now. And this is the case that haunts me to this day, Greg. Um, I should have looking back, uh, hubris and ego got in the way of me seeing the flaws in this case and me telling this client, look, I know you're confident and that's great, but here's what will happen if you lose. Here's what will happen if your confidence in me is misplaced. So what yeah. have you done to like sort of manage your ego? I mean, what are some of the tools? What are the learnings? What are the, what are the things that you, you practice to maybe not let your ego get the better of you, yeah. not make that same mistake again. Me personally, my game is I meditate as often as I can. Um, I 
try to cultivate that sense of awareness of that voice, right? There's that, uh, there's that, um, Eckhart Tolle or Michael Singer, one of those two said, uh, your, your ego, that voice in your head is like a chattering roommate that if he were real and in the room with you, you would freaking shoot him because he's always chattering. He's always judgmental and he's usually negative. Right. Right. So the best thing I can do to tame that beast is to notice him mm-hmm. and notice him talking and then separate myself from him and say, okay, I'm me. This is just a voice that isn't even, I, I'm not controlling it. I'm not um, uh, responsible for it. And frankly, it's probably my dad talking and, right. and and some of the bullies from high school talking and, and all of those little, you know, cuts and, 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 and bruises along the way that have created this monster that that's, who's talking. It ain't me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Noticing it. That's the big, that's the big key. Right. right. Like said, like a true entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. I think that's a common theme with entrepreneurs is, is we recognize and we get to a stage where we know it's, it's, it's a never ending battle in everything. It's a never ending effort in learning. It's a never ending eff, uh, effort or battle in work and business. It's a never ending sort of effort when it comes down to decisions and driving. And you know this, I'm sure you've been in this uh, uh, spot many times in your career. We hit that fork in the road. You said, all right, what the fuck am I doing? Should I go this way? Should I go this way? Do I want to run the business this way? Do I want to learn down there? Do I want to take the road of of uh, of being more self-aware, being more responsible? Do I want to start to develop new products? So, you know, as entrepreneurs, we hit this fork in the road. So, you know, what's been some of your forks in the road? Can you can you think about some pivotal moments where you in your career, your profession, you sort of hit that part and you went, hmm, left or right? Well, the biggest one, the most obvious one from a a professional level was the day I decided to be an entrepreneur, the day I decided to. So I worked as an in-house general counsel for a large telecom company. I'd been doing that for eight years. And I realized that I I think that I have a a drive and a talent and skill set that can uh, replicate what I'm doing for this telecom company for other clients. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this compliance system that I created for them that eventually became cover my six, the, um, just the relationship building. And, and, and so I, the day that I decided to, to go off on my own and trade in a steady paycheck for an unlimited freedom and an unlimited, uh, um, upside in my life was the most pivotal moment, right? When you, when you decide you no longer want to rely on somebody else for a paycheck, Man, I, I, you don't, you don't look back after that. After a little while, you become unemployable. That's scary. Leaving a full-time corporate job to launch into the abyss of entrepreneurship, and you know, kind of see your way through. And I think that's that's what happens in in all cases, right? Everyone takes that leap. Yeah, you know, it's the decision. I believe that you know, and all of our clients are businesses and business owners, many of whom are entrepreneurs. So I love having this conversation with them. The, the, that fork in the road that you're talking about, that decision point um, is both existentially frightening and um, so enthusiastic and exuberating at the same time, right? Exuberant. It's, it's like you can't wait to take life by the horns. You can't wait to get out there and take control over your destiny uh, and stop relying on other people. But at the same time, you're out, you're hanging out there on your own now. You can't rely on anybody but your own talent and your own mindset. And so 
you can't find a more bittersweet, you know, scary, but, but, you know, beautiful moment in your life. Do you think it takes a special type of person to, to be an entrepreneur? Like is, are, are, are we a certain, certain type of breed? I do. I think that we're, we're wired differently. We're yeah. wired for risk. We're wired for fear. We're wired for stress. Um, the real question is, once you get into that group of humanity, right, the ones that are willing to take that leap, there is a subgroup in there of the ones that will sustain it despite the fear and the stress, right? And so whenever I see an entrepreneur giving up and going back to work for someone else, um, I believe that that I, I don't judge them by any means. Everyone's a human being and, and, and everyone has their own universe, but that then sets them into a different category, right? Let me start with a sort of general question and we'll sort of warm up with this. What are some common myths about your profession, your practice, um, yeah. the type of legal work you do? Well, I, I'd say uh, the biggest myth of lawyers isn't really a myth in the sense that uh, it still is the case that for hundreds of years, the prevailing uh, um, opinion about lawyers is that the, is that we're ambulance chasers and that we're really in it out for ourselves over our clients and that we have an inherent conflict of interest. And the reality is in many, 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 many cases, that still is the case. Um, the minority, I believe, of lawyers set, step back from, business lawyers, that is anyway, step back from hourly billing, right? So Greg, you come to me and you say, Alex, I got a problem. And I say to you, all right, I can't promise I'm going to make this problem go away. I'm going to bill you by the hour as I try to make it go away. And um, I can't guarantee any result. I'll do the best I can. Uh, you're going to say, all right, Alex, do the best you can. But if I did that in any other profession, you'd say, get out of my, get out of my house. Right. Um, so I think that's how lawyers have been operating for years and years and it protects their downside, but it doesn't help the client. I think the better approach is to be more collaborative with the client, give them flat fees instead of hourly fees. Um, if you are able to craft an arrangement where you're both winning or you're both losing, then you're partners. But right. if the lawyer makes money, regardless of what the uh, uh, client does, then one of you is always winning and one of you may or may not win because of your efforts. And that isn't the kind of... Is that what you've so, Are you 100% like flat structure or project uh, fee-based or is it a blend of sort of hourly plus, you know, depending on the engagement, we'll, we'll look at a flat fee or a, a project yeah. engagement? Our philosophy is to always offer the client a non-hourly billing solution. Um, when we cannot, when we cannot, for whatever reason, um, we will... Um, give them a very firm budget and say, our representation of you should not and probably will not exceed this dollar amount. Right. Um, and if there's any ability to partner with them at all, so that we're both winning or both losing simultaneously, we do. I say this a lot when I'm talking to people about when they're engaged with lawyers. I say, one of the things you got to remember when dealing with your lawyer is yes, they're your lawyer and you want to be advised by them and guided by them and they will, but make sure you tell your fucking lawyer what to do. Because if you don't, 
you're going to go down potentially a rabbit hole or, or a billing that's going to take you way out of scope than, than you ever realized. And again, there's a balance, right? But I think there's a responsibility as the, the clients in the legal relationship to, to participate a little more assertively and from a place of direction. The fundamental um, mindset shift in that regard, Greg, that happened for me was when I realized this client could have gone to any of the 10,000 lawyers in Northeast Ohio. Why are they here to talk to me? And what can I give them that will keep them here and that will differentiate myself from all those other lawyers? And the answer was, I'm not just going to solve their legal problem. I'm not just going to give them a result. I'm going to create an experience from them for them. I'm going to give them value. I'm going to help them grow their revenue. I'm going to help connect them to customers if I can. I'm going to help them with their processes. Um, I'm going to send them uh, um, the book that changed my life. I'm going to just, you know, build that relationship in a, in a, in a creative way. But ultimately, I'm going to give them value beyond just the result that any of the other 10,000 lawyers in Cleveland can do. What I love about you and I respect about you so much because it's it's something that I follow as well, which is, you know, the more we give and the more we show up with value and the more we we, we, we stretch the more successful we're going to be. But it's a longer road to take as an entrepreneur. And, and you know, this is where I, I believe in something called the relationship economy. That says if we're going to be successful in business, it's because we hold the relationship first. It is about how do I show up and give into the relationship without an ask, right? And be there to partner in these relationships and be doing business for a long term. Right. All right. One more question before we take the next break, which is uh, actually I might ask you two questions. Um, first question: How's COVID changed your business, your industry? Um, well, the industry has been changed uh, in two ways. One, uh, lots of law firms have laid people off and have cut salaries. I, I, I thank goodness that we are not one of them. Uh, we had a crisis cash flow analysis a year ago, and we thank goodness, have just kept it on the shelf. We never needed to use it. Uh, and everyone's working from home. That's how the industry has changed. Uh, but how we have changed, and the reason that that crisis cash flow uh, analysis is still on that shelf and never been used, is that we saw an opportunity to um, help our clients find businesses to acquire. Because um, we, we saw an opportunity when you represent lots of entrepreneurs and businesses and business owners, they they're, they can handle the stress of COVID. What they saw was an opportunity to buy failing competitors. And so we spun off a company called Gertzberg Acquisition Partners this year hmm. um, that helps our clients find other businesses to acquire. It's a minimum $5 million business value. Uh, but if they're looking for a, a, a competitor to buy, uh, that has a higher value than that. We help them do it on a success fee basis. And we are now spinning off an executive recruiting company that does the exact same thing. COVID has helped companies who are wired for that risk, who have the stomach to spend money into a down economy to grow. Uh, um, we help them do that. We help them find businesses to acquire and executives to, uh, to hire. And we do that on a success fee basis. That's how COVID has helped us. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So this was the end of the deep dive segment of the show. We're about to head into the final and the most awaited segment of the Better Human podcast. It is called the Better Human Takeaway. So we're going to step into that in the next moment. 
Okay, just before we jump into the next segment, we're going to take a quick little audio break and we're going to hear from our sponsor, The Better Human Program. The Better Human Program is a 10-week program that equips you with the tools to achieve success in every interaction with other humans. Learn assertiveness, effective communication, interpersonal skills, and take control of your life with The Better Human Program. Check out the link below for all the description information. As you're growing as an entrepreneur and you're hiring people, what do you look for in talent? It's the same answer to both questions. Um, I, I, I like that you reframed it, but it's the same answer. Emotional intelligence. Oh. Such an important thing. How do you how, how important on the scale? Let's say you know university degree, college degree versus emotionally intelligent. Which one would you pick? Oh, emotional intelligence for sure. But but I I, I think at a very very close second, it's coachability, right? Uh, like checking your ego at the door. I actually really love love hiring young lawyers because they are they tend to be more coachable than than more senior lawyers. You got to be able to check your ego at the door. You got to be able to check your emotions and understand your emotions. And you got to be able to work collaboratively in a constructive way. And if you can't do those things, you should find another career. And you, cer- you certainly won't be working for me. What does the word better human mean to you? And how do you think we can all achieve it? To me, better human is um, all about constant and never ending improvement, knowing that you'll never get there and then looking for opportunities to help other people. Awesome. Everything we rep. All right. You know, just before we get to the final uh, couple questions, I got a couple more for you. This one's a good one, which is what is the one thing you wish you would have known when you started? Oh, I, I, I wish I would have been forced in law school to take an emotional intelligence course. (laughs) It, I, I, I'm telling you right now, Greg, I, this is, this is, you can trace almost every failure uh, that, that I've ever had, and I'm still having them, to an emotional intelligence gap. Right. Right. Um, just not you, your frame uh, for it when we talked uh, last week was perfect, right? It's understanding yourself, it's being able to regulate yourself, and it's being able to understand and anticipate the other person, right? The others, yep. It, um, if, if only, if only I would have recognized how important that is um, uh, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I would have kept people who didn't want to work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I would have uh, not taken cases or, or uh, either at all or to trial because I would have seen the filters. I would have seen the cognitive biases that were, that were burying me. Um, I would have just um, been a lot more objective with my decision-making. So if, that number one, Greg, you and I should go on a crusade to force colleges and law schools and, and high schools to teach emotional intelligence to people. Right. You know, I've done a lot of call it work like that over my career, which is doing the grade 12 high school class around emotional intelligence or the international MBA group or MBA group for a, a quick lecture, but it's never an ongoing thing. And, you know, anything like developing emotional intelligence, it's, it's, it's time, it's work, it's coaching, it's learning. It's, it's not a one-shot thing that you, that you sit right. down and listen to, right? But you're right. This is, this is something that I look to do with my kids the most, which is you know, making sure they are emotionally intelligent, they can make decisions, they can think, critically think, they can, they can uh, operate with objectivity. These are things that are high on my radar as a parent right now, bringing these little humans into the world. 
Yeah. You know what else too, Greg? I mean, th there's a small handful of people that I know that are very stoic and very just like, well, uh, just put together in terms of emotional intelligence. Most people are not, but a, a small number of people are. For those who aren't, and especially entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs I know have ADD. ADD affects your, your ability to remember stuff, right? And so to me, something like emotional intelligence, I need to have a book next to my bed. I need to read about it every single day because if I'm not constantly thinking, I mean, this is why I, I really love mindfulness and because it forces me to see how my brain is doing its own thing without me uh, in control. Um, but I constantly need prompting and reminders that emotional intelligence is important. And if I don't constantly remind myself of it, it, it is in the rear view mirror. I'm, I'm on to the next big thing, you know? Right. You know, I, I, you're right. We are ADD. And, and I, that's the one thing that I think has been common throughout all our conversations, is, which is your focus on mindfulness. Uh, and I've heard you talk about it today. We spoke about it on your, your show last week. We've had, we've had this conversation on the side. Um, and I agree with that. I, I, as an individual, being a little more of a reactive, sort of aggressive type of personality, I know where my thoughts can go. I know I can go into that sort of place of attack and just start to get quite negative. And it is, it's a conscious effort, right? And it's, it's not hard, but it's, it's, it's working hard to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's not it hard does. work. It's just working hard. What's your better human takeaway for our audience today? One thing that has helped me along the way in, in a lot of ways that you talk about and that you teach in your program is just self-awareness. And one of the biggest tools that has helped me in that regard is journaling. So do you, do you journal or do you keep a journal? I do. Not, not consistently like every night, but I believe in journaling, gratitude exercises, writing things down. I'm more of like a sticky note guy versus yeah. a, a book. And I do have many books everywhere. That's my other problem. Yeah. Yeah, to me, journaling has been a real eye-opener, um, both in terms of self-awareness and some of the other things we've talked about, like emotional intelligence. But like, um, I read things in that journal that I wrote six years ago. I would have never remembered them. I would have never thought about them. And I've been keeping a journal. I was in Iraq in 2003 uh, with an Army Reserve unit that got called up. And um, I came back and uh, immediately, I started writing in my journal then because I wanted to remember that entire experience. So 17 years now I've been keeping a journal mm. and um, it has been so transformative, Greg. Um, uh, and I try, to, I try to write in it every single day if I can. Amazing. Would you ever convert that into a book? I am working on it as we speak. Boy, you get that all digitized, transcribed. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of sort of, you know, editing and sifting. But just think about you have the same way we document our kids now growing up with our digital photos, right? Taking yeah. pictures and videos of them every three seconds. You got a complete documentation of your child's life from zero to however old they are. That's right. what you have from your journal, which most people don't have from 17 years ago. So that be, be proud of that, man. That is, that is, yeah. that is very cool. All right, Alex, uh, you are an amazing human being. By definition, you're a better human. You're a, a super fantastic entrepreneur. You're a phenomenal leader. You, by definition, check all the boxes. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, tell the audience where we can find you. Uh, tell us where they can learn more about Cover My Six. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, and thanks for having me on. And Greg, you are, and I mean this, I'm not, you're an inspiration to me, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You, uh, 
um, I believe in the ripple effect of, uh, of helping people and everything that you're doing affects your clients and their families and their employees and then keep going from there. So you're, you're making a huge splash in this world, man. And I, I appreciate you for that. Thanks brother. Um, Gertzberglaw.com, covermy6.com. Uh, those are your portals into my world. Uh, there's a LinkedIn there. There's a, um, um, a podcast link there. Uh, so oh, don't you, forget, so, you know, plug your podcast, you know, what's your podcast called? What's it, it is? About? It is called best podcast ever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, it's available anywhere where you listen to podcasts. And, um, like you, Greg, I introduce, I, I interview entrepreneurs and people who inspire me. And, uh, I had a great guest on last week. His name was Greg Witz. We had a great, great conversation. Uh, so folks should go there and listen to that interview as soon as they're done listening to this one. For sure. And we're going to plug that all in the show notes and you'll find it in the, uh, in the description and the caption. We'll make sure you're all linked up and connected. Alex, you are the man. Once again, thanks for being here and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right. If you like today's episode, don't forget to click that uh, subscribe button. Don't forget to like, don't forget to share, don't forget to comment, and we will see you next time. Hey, I'm Greg Witz. Thanks so much for coming and checking out the video. If you like that video, you're going to love the next one. So I'd highly suggest that you click this video over here and don't forget to subscribe and share.